0: Welcome to another episode of the Surly Horns Podcast. This is season two, episode two. We've got a really good show for you today and it's rated f for fuck.
1: rgb3 how you doing i'm doing excellent sir it is all gas no brakes right here that's uh that's just my new mode all gas oh yeah
0: eventually i think i'll forget that there's even brake pedals in cars
1: i i think uh traffic crime is going to go up like tenfold uh in austin texas
0: yeah nobody's going to be stopping at any stoplights anymore fuck no (laughs) all right well so we've got an awesome show for the crew today um we're gonna talk a little bit about urban meyer and how much of a bust that was it sure was gonna talk a bit about the bama ohio state game i think we got a couple things uh yeah i think we think we got a couple things to talk about with that one yeah uh immediately following that we have The first press conference officially of the new head football coach of Texas in Steve Sarkeesian, which we'll be breaking down in great detail. Absolutely. Then we're going to go through some of the coaching staff confirmations. Still some speculation out there. We thought that today was going to be the day where everything was going to be put to bed. Maybe tomorrow. We waited this long. Might as well keep them rolling. Uh, And then we'll talk a little bit about just uh, ins and outs of of wrapping up the week. And then we're going to dig deep into the mailbag and pull out some of our favorite suggestions.
1: Absolutely. Some gems in there. And reminder, uh, the mailbag is going to be staying open. So put any just freaky question that you got in your in your dirty mind uh, straight onto the board and and we'll answer it here on the pod. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Urban Meyer. Jacksonville, yeah, man. You know, I thought this would hurt a lot more. I guess I'm happy that it wasn't some other college job. Um, It hurts as a Texans fan um, because he's probably going to be awesome. Just because that's how the Houston Texans franchise works. Um, I think more than more than anything, I'm just kind of intrigued how it's going to work. You know, his styles played so well in college for years and years and years. How's that going to adapt to, you know, some of these multimillionaires um, dealing with him, his personality and um, but either way, we're busted here.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's either going to go the way of Chip Kelly or the way of Pete Carroll. Right, right, right. Uh, I, I don't see him middling around in the NFL.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's the biggest thing for me with this hire with Jacksonville. So I get the upside. I get they got all these picks. They got all this cap room. They have Trevor Lawrence coming there. I get the upside. But this guy hates to lose. I mean, this guy, I mean, we've seen him eat Papa John's pizza in that gif, you know, damn near in tears after losing a game. What's he going to do when the Jags go 4-12 next year with a rookie quarterback? That's That's my biggest question with this entire hire. I,
0: you know, his heart's going to explode or his little cyst in his brain, but he's dead to me anyway.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's over. We loved you for 800 plus pages worth of, of surly horns. And, and after that, the it's dead, we're done we're moving on all gas, no breaks. Let's go.
0: All gas, no brakes. Speaking of all gas, no brakes, the 50 burger. Oh yeah. We called it. We called it. We called it. The yep. total destruction, systemic destruction of Ohio State. I'm not going to lie. I had uh, a pretty significant amount of money on the game. Same. I, I put in the thread. Put oh, in yeah. the thread what my bet was. But I took Bama minus 14 and a half for about 300. Oh, yeah. Uh, for plus 180. So pretty good
1: bet. Yep. A little bit. Yeah. I actually bet uh, Alabama minus nine. Uh, Alabama first half took him again in the second half, uh, live. And then I took, uh, Smith over two plus touchdowns, um, easy money. Oh, and I bet one of my sales reps that, um, lunch on the game as well. He's an Ohio state fan. So, uh, I'm ordering the steak tomorrow. That is awesome. So let's talk a little bit about what we saw in
0: that game and what was so exciting about that game. Um, I think tuning into any national championship game is usually kind of, uh, you know, whatever football's on We're not in it. (laughs) Yeah. We're not in it. (laughs) This time I felt invested, not just because of the money that I bet on Sarkeesian's offense, but because of Steve Sarkeesian himself.
1: Agreed. This was the most excited I've been for a national championship game since 2009. Um, just to watch what he does. You know, I, whenever we announced uh, Sark as the hire, I went back and I watched a couple Bama games just to see what was up. And, um, you know, obviously I was impressed and, you know, playing all SEC, you never really know how good those teams are that he was playing. But I was like, okay, well, Ohio State just fucking smacked Clemson. Let's see what Sark can do here. And my God, that offense was humming. I can't. I can't believe how well he schemed that. It's crazy because you you look at Ohio State's
0: performance, not just in the Big Ten, but also against Clemson, who has five star wide receivers, five star running backs, fast, fast, fast players, and you see how Steve Sarkeesian seemed to know where the wrinkles are and where yeah. to throw the ball against that defense.
1: All night, all night. It's crazy. So, I mean, going into that game, if you're Kerry Coombs, the the Ohio State defensive coordinator, you're focusing on two players on offense to stop Najee Harris. And of course, you're the fucking Heisman winner. You've got to focus on him. What did he do? Oh, I don't know. Just put up one of the greatest receiving performances I've ever seen in my entire life, knowing that defenses were going to be keying on him i mean sark was able to get him schemed open against linebackers and safeties and there was no bracket coverage there's no double coverage all he did all night was he moved him he put him in the slot he put him in, in, in outside he put him everywhere that he needed to be to put him in the best position to make a play and that's all he did all night until he broke his damn hand I mean if he didn't oh, I that, mean that's yeah that's I,
0: I was actually calling with my friends and I was watching the game with uh, over Discord. I was like he should sit the second half because this
1: guy going to get paid. No kidding. I mean if he played the entire second half, does he does he score 6 touchdowns? Does he does he put up 400 yards? I mean, unless they really made some good halftime adjustments, which obviously they did not. Um that dude was just Unreal. I've never seen it. And, and it boils down to, I mean, obviously talent. I mean, the dude's as talent as they come, but I mean, he was schemed open. Uh, You know, I hear all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Schemed open and, and leveraged to
0: his maximum potential and not what, you know, something that Tom Herman and his staff did on a regular basis is I think they actually schemed really well but they Mm -hmm. didn't keep in mind what their player's actual ability was in that scheme. It should have worked, but this guy doesn't, isn't as good of a route runner or is slower or is too fast or isn't tall enough. Those things, it just seems like all of that goes into the equation. Whenever Sarkeesian was calling these plays.
1: For sure. I think, you know, I always hear, you know, and basically it's all just Sooner and Aggie fans and Alabama fans at this point, you know, talking about, well, the talent difference, the talent difference, the difference. Yeah. He has five stars all over. And, you know, for, for me, the difference with that is when you're a five star, you're expected to produce higher than the three star behind you. But when you're running wide open down the sidelines on a screen that's not because you're a five star that's because you got schemed open uh there's there's no benefit for you being a five star except you might be you know three yards faster than the three star behind you it's all about scheme and open grass and that's the that was the best thing that i saw the the entire game it was just how much open grass was in front of these players uh basically Boy, I, I felt game. bad I
0: felt bad for that middle linebacker at Ohio State. He was put in the toughest of positions, and he had no help from those safeties. He just got burned just constantly. Yeah. So how can Sarkeesian replicate that offense with the players that Texas has? We've heard Sarkeesian talk in his press conference about the talent that Texas already has on the roster.
1: But how do you think that he can leverage that to do what he does? I think the biggest thing for him is evaluating the talent that he does have. I mean, how many times, I mean, how annoying is it just seeing what we were able to do with Bijan John Robinson in the last two games of the season, um, against Kansas state and Colorado, um, where was he all season? I, I think just FTS, feed the studs. I mean, the fact that these guys are just not getting, you know, they're rotating and rotating and rotating. And I love Roshan Johnson, but running him four times a game behind uh, Denzel Okafor for two yards or quarterback power to the right with Sam Ellinger is it's just not going to get you that that production that you need at the end of the day. And really that boils down to, feeding the studs, give Bijan 18, 22, you know, carries a game. He's averaging like nine yards a pop, like feed him.
0: Yeah. Whenever you look at their beast players, all the stat lines were incredible. Mac Jones played hurt for the majority of the second half, right? I mean, he was so hurt. They pulled him out for the, the victory. You know, they were like, yeah, this is this guy can hardly even walk. And he was scoring touchdowns. That's how dialed in those guys were, and if Texas next year can get anywhere near as dialed in on victory, uh, I think that we're in store for a great show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I, I already can't wait. Uh, I mean, we. I'm trying not to mention Tom Herman ever again, but um, it keeps coming up with you know him turtling, and he gets that nickname for a reason because. You know, when you're all playing your gas, game. no
0: breaks,
1: that is it. That is it. I mean, just just don't be afraid to hang your dick, you know, 50 bombs on. You know, I don't care that we're playing Kansas. On everyone put 100 yeah. on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Score as many touchdowns as possible. And then if the defense ask you for a breather, you you saw at the end of the game, he can switch it up and figure out a way to run some clock down, yep. but not in a turtle way, right? A still very aggressive attack that isn't deep ball score touchdown. Cause we know the wrinkles going to be
1: there. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really predicated on, um, sure. There's some game management in there, but it's all gas, no breaks. All right. So let's get into some of the press conference and what we've got
0: from the notes uh, before we dive in immediate thoughts on the press conference
1: home run um and and i didn't want it to be as as crazy as that sounds i didn't want it to be a home run because my dumbass thought charlie strong had a home run of a press conference and tom herman had a home run of a press conference and you know it's always that new car smell that you you know you get it get initially with these new coaches but my god everything was perfect um you know some of it might have been a little scripted almost to the point uh, where there was there was some there was some ball gargling going on for sure for sure yeah we can get into the high school coaches talk in a minute but um you know there's there's definitely some bingo card um for Texas high school press conferences at this point
0: i did you know the one thing that really stuck with me and has stuck with me since i've been following sark a bit closer now that he's the the head coach is it's not so much that he's charismatic as he has a sort of authoritative voice that isn't forceful he's very confident in in what he's talking about and he really just makes you want to believe what he says not in like a salesperson type way
1: Yep, I fully agree. I think the biggest thing that, you know, I, I have it highlighted in my notes of authentic, that word. And it's almost a direct shot at Tom Herman, who by all accounts is just an inauthentic human being. Um, just a, fucking yeah. douche. That too. Um, but I mean, just really just just not being authentic with the players, not being authentic with the media, not being authentic with his the president and the athletic director at the end of the day. Um, and I think that's where that, that confidence comes from is it's you know I'm, I'm in sales and I always tell my my sales reps you know trust your product and it sells itself because you have such a belief in the product so when we bring it back to Sarkeesian he's believing in the product because he can be authentic about the product it doesn't need to be um, you know shined up in any way it can just be genuine from the heart and that's exactly how the press conference went for me
0: yeah And I, you know, I I was catching up after I didn't actually watch live. I, I watched after the fact and kind of kept up in sort of delayed time in the thread. So I wouldn't read ahead in the thread until something had happened. And then I'd go engage the reaction because I didn't want to like taint my, my brain before. Right. Um, that was a, it was a pretty exciting time to, to follow that thread if you were following it live. And, uh, you know, a, a few things really stood out. I mean, he was pretty clear multiple times about being the flagship university in Texas. <laughs> a
1: little shitting on Aggie. Never hurts anybody in a press conference.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, he did say that uh, would love to play that game. You know, Always. whatever.
1: It has to be asked every fucking time, every time. We'll see what happens,
0: right? But I Never. think uh if that if that game happens, I think he'll
1: I'll bring he'll bring the wood. Yeah, he has to. Yeah, Jimbo gonna be scared of that one. All right, yeah. So you're talking about
0: his shout out to the high school coaches. What was the exact line? Was it this is your what what did he say? This yeah. is your uh
1: this is your university. Yeah. We're, yeah. you know, that kind of boils down to the flagship where you're a university open doors, you know, and, and it's what they have to say. I, I, I know it, um, you know, it, and it's no shock at all that he went to the, the THSCA meeting, um, literally the very next day. Um, cause that's where so many things went wrong. Um, in recruiting, especially with Charlie, um, he didn't give a fuck about the, the Texas high school football coaches. And you need that. You need to develop those relationships. And I think, you know, with him being so authentic, even though he's a California guy, West coast guy, um, it should still be pretty easy for him to develop those relationships in the long run.
0: It is, it is kind of strange to see, you know, especially because there was a, a pretty large contingent of former players, at that press conference and kind of since that press conference that we've watched him interact with. And it just seems like they think of him as a football guy and because they seem at ease around him. And, and like, it's real casual, like they're peers or buddies, um, even though it, I, as far as I know, um, they're not peers or buddies.
1: Yeah, I mean, hell, some of them were playing him in 2005. I know there's a video going around with, um, with uh, Colt and Vince and Michael Huff and uh, a bunch of the former players that were at the press conference themselves. And um, yeah, it just seems I keep using the word authentic, um, where he's not just bullshitting, just a bullshit. You know, people see through that, especially guys that have been in the professional realm before. They've seen this stuff. It's one thing to bullshit an eighteen-year-old recruit. It's a whole other thing to to bullshit millionaires, um, and it just comes off as genuine. And I think that just wins people over.
0: Yeah, and I think he said work more times than Tom Herman ever said work in his entire you know, coaching career at Texas. You
1: know, yeah, I mean, Oscar Giles is still sleeping probably at Pluckers right now. So, um, yeah, I don't know if they know the meaning of work. Um, and I think the 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 biggest thing I took away besides the authentic and the work is aggressive. He wants to be aggressive in all phases. And, and you see that in how he calls offense. And I can't wait to see, you know, what he ends up bringing on for defense. And obviously, you know, we'll get into special teams here in a bit. But, I mean, all gas, no breaks
0: all gas no brakes block every fucking punt. Yeah, absolutely. Why not?
1: There's no rule that says we can't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, what what were those questions? Right? I mean, we we we've got these 995ers. We had Anwar out there asking bogus questions. We had Chip, fuck Chip
1: he, Brown. Fucking Chip Brown literally brought up a friend of his that died. What are you talking about, sir? <laughs> This is supposed to be the man's like happiest moment of his life. And you're bringing up, Hey, I actually think I know you from a friend who's he's dead now. Yeah. Ask, answer I, this question. <laughs> what the fuck?
0: I, I just don't. I, I, if this is the best that, uh, you know, the, the press room has to offer, there's no reason that me and you don't have a press pass in the next six months. I mean, geez,
1: which we need to get working on. Cause I can come up with some damn good questions. Um, you know, Hey, Sark, favorite brand of whiskey not now but in the past let's start with that it's gotta be cutty sark oh, right
0: yeah so how how low do your
1: nuts hang <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs>
1: when you're dropping when you dropped your nuts on ohio state how did that feel yeah
0: oh so you told me earlier you have some scoop for us
1: I do. I do. So I actually talked with a, um, so for everybody that doesn't know, he actually, uh, Sark had a call with former players in Letterman, um, and he's having another one with, uh, the big money donors tomorrow, which I'm sure we're going to get some good notes for, for the next podcast. But, um, I actually reached out to a former, um, UT Letterman, um, who gave me kind of a quick write-up on the call that they had with Sark. First of all, he came away super impressed, um, super excited about it. Um, and this guy was kind of on the fence to begin with. So, um, But uh, one of the questions that was asked was, uh, uh, hey, Sark, what play will you run on fourth and one? Um, and Sark said, sure as shit, not the one. I ran against Texas in 05, uh, which perfect answer there. Um a little bit of news. So Michael Huff is going to be playing a big role in some capacity. I don't know if that means analyst. I don't know if that means just recruits hopping in his Lambo again. Um, but supposedly he's going to be playing a bigger role, which is great. You know, always keep uh, a firm member at DBU back in the uh, on the 40. Um, I, I was actually really surprised. Uh, not so much at, at Vince Young
0: being around, but Colt McCoy showing up to depressor yeah. and being as involved as as he is um not that he's distanced himself from the program at all it's just he he almost seemed like super excited to be there and and like wanted to be helpful which is something that i haven't seen in a in a
1: really yeah you're right a- yeah and i haven't even thought about that really but you're right i mean and obviously he has a professional career but you you don't really see him involved with You know, any kind of outside recruiting or even, you know, Vince Young just showing up in Austin, you know, usually not sober, but um, just showing up in Austin. Um, So, yeah, that was super encouraging to see. I don't know if they have a former relationship or not, Um, but some other other news. So um, analyst Bob Shipley, he's probably going to retire um, as well as Kevin Washington, who is the director of player development, is going to be staying um, he was the one that was crucial in the, um, the player likeness, um, getting paid for their likeness deal. Uh, I can't remember the exact name of it, um, that Texas has, but, um, he was crucial in that. And I know he's, uh, he's a big asset. So keeping him around is is going to be huge.
0: That's going to be a big deal this year. Um, now the, we've got the NCAA tabling that for now, but then they're going to be revisiting that, and in 2021 is going to be a really big season for some of these big name brands, and and you know attracting talent and keeping talent. Uh, you know the transfer portal game. We're entering a new era of college football in in the 21 season, and who knows how much it's going to blur those lines between kind of the pro game with guaranteed contracts and all kinds of stuff like that, and then the draw and allure of um getting paid for your likeness uh by right huddle forward
1: whatever yeah or red mccombs i mean shit dropping dropping an f-150 because he can legally now so um i think i think a, a big thing too is keeping guys staying that extra year their senior year you know like think about sam right now if he was able to get paid for his likeness and you know be able to pull in you know $400,000 from Red McCombs for selling trucks, um, would he have gone to the NFL where he might be a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick? And, you know, sure he might make 500, but he could probably do the exact same thing, boost his draft stock next year. And now you're looking at, okay, you're a third round pick, you're making 1.2 million and you made $400 from Red McCombs. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of merit to not just, um, Bringing in players, but keeping players around, like you mentioned, with the transfer portal. And I mean, think about how much money Bijan Robinson could make on something like this if he really is. I mean, obviously, he is as good as we've seen. And uh, if he makes a Heisman run, I mean, people will be oh, lying out be. the door.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they say that a Heisman's worth about a billion dollars to the university that wins it. Um, well, you know, it'd be nice to see some of those players cash in on. Some of that success before they they go into the NFL. A lot of Heisman players flame out um, when it gets to the the big time because college and NFL totally different games.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I wonder how much like Eric Crouch could have made in in rural ass <laughs> Nebraska.
0: <laughs> oh, and what did, what did Sark say about the opt outs? What did he say? Let's be real, they're quitters.
1: They're quitters. He he they're let it quitters. hang right then. Yeah, all gas, was- no breaks. All gas, no brakes, and and I'm for it. You know, I I go back and forth, and you know, looking back on it, yeah, should Derek Kerstetter not played against Kansas State? Yeah, probably. Um, if he really was going going to the NFL, but um, you know, it really is kind of quitting on your team, especially when you have something for something to play for. And I mean, the guys that opted out, I mean, Brennan Eagles, fuck you opting out for, buddy. You're not going to get. I mean. Well, I was I was going to say Tariq Black, but he hasn't been to class uh, since he left Michigan. So, um, you know, some of these guys that are opting out really are just quitting. They're quitting on the coach. And I think that's an indictment directly on leadership. Um, And I think it says a lot when five of the six six captains that Tom Herman named five of them opted out before the end of the season. Crazy. Yeah. It was
0: it was really good to hear the the story after um, all of this was happening and the players only meetings where Roshan Johnson really stepped up and uh, is, is establishing himself as a, a leader on the team and I think that mentality is going to be something that Sarkeesian needs to work with and meld because there wasn't this toxicity of. Bad players or people blaming each other, you know, there's the toxicity of the flex after the first down or the flex after the touchdown, but I I don't really believe that that locker room in general is toxic and seeing what he's going to be able to do to bring up that next generation of leaders that's already kind of established themselves even without him.
1: Yep, absolutely. And even just bringing in the right kind of leaders that can steer these, you know, the malcontents to, you know, at least just be quiet is, is, is part of the battle. It's not just, um, you know, cause every team in any sport that's ever existed has had some form of malcontent on it. That's just, especially when, you know, these are, Highly recruited guys; these guys are, you know, dreaming of NFL. They have big egos. It's it's something that happens at every single locker room. It's what leadership is in place to quell that before it gets into a raging dumpster fire like the end of the Tom Herman era. Uh, you know, you don't you don't see people opting out just to opt out um, because they're tired of playing for somebody. They um, still give a shit and they're still going to work because the leadership in front of them, it's still there and it's still working.
0: Oh man. Yeah, I so I was loving just some of the the commentary. You know, Josh Moore, quit comparing me, right? Whenever everybody's <laughs> oh, comparing him about Devonte
1: Smith and stuff. Yeah. Oh no, we're comparing you to Devonte Smith, the greatest college receiver that's been here since Larry Fitzgerald. Oh no, the
0: audacity! Yeah, the audacity. Who Who knows what you're going to do next year? I, so let's talk now about the coaches and what's changed since last time we talked what a staff uh
1: already and we don't know who they are not what they are not fucking around they are not fucking around it is they're and they don't care they're finally doing what we've been asking texas football to do since the beginning drop your nuts on people money whip motherfuckers let's go
0: yeah, and I I had uh you know a recommended post and everybody's bitching in that thread. One of the, one of my favorite posts in the the Sark After Dark coaching search thread is uh, a poster, and I'll have to you know redig that post up. But talking about this is Texas. This is what we have to do. We're just gonna go in and money with people we're gonna get the best coaches available because that's what this university demands and you know that's all cool and that's all great whenever we're trying to build the hype train but as these hires keep rolling in it's just like damn that's a big name
1: every single one it's 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 crazy to me that every single name we hear is just like Oh shit, really? It, it I think the biggest change for us is we saw what happened with Charlie Strong and we saw what happened with Tom Herman when they brought in their initial staffs. And it was just comfort hires and comfort hires. And we touched on it last podcast. A comfort hire now for for Sark is Kyle Flood. The the guy won the best offensive line trophy this year. I mean, that's the comfort hire. It's not Corby fucking Meekins, who doesn't deserve a spot on <laughs> UH's staff. Like, Come on. Like that I think that's the biggest difference for me. And I mean, we can get into the names. So, like, just to recap the names that we mentioned before that are obviously basically confirmed at this point. We haven't seen any, you know, Longhorn Network tweeting it out or anything, but uh Milwy's still the quarterback coach. Drayton's still staying here as long as Urban doesn't poach him, which I guess is kind of a real worry at this point. I'm not really sure. I haven't really seen anything on it, but um, I'd imagine he's still in the fold. I know his kids are still in high school and they're in gymnastics and stuff. So I imagine he's staying in Austin. Um Kyle Flood officially confirmed, which sorry, big, Brock big Myers.
0: <laughs> sorry, Brock Um well,
1: I still got, got the portal. Yep, absolutely. Hey, you got you got a one-time transfer exemption. Maybe uh maybe Blake Brockmeyer will be allowed back into DKR, but um Bo Davis is in for um the defensive line. And then big.
0: Oh, so, so big. Oh, I'm excited sorry.
1: to see what he does with
0: the, this stud, right? Just stud yeah. stable.
1: Collins, we've got Fred, for Coburn. I mean, all these wow. guys. Oh, it's unreal. Uh, and and the guy and the kids coming in, Jordan Thomas looks like a beast. Jatavian Sanders. I don't know if he's going to, you know, I guess it more depends on the defensive coordinator and, um, where he's going to be playing. But if he's playing with his hand in the dirt, I mean, he's going to be learning from a hell of a coach. Um, and then we have Gideon, um, who was supposed to be coaching special teams, supposed to be coaching safeties. I don't really know what he's doing anymore. So, I mean, we kind of dive into it now. Um, Mr. Poll assassin coming to the 40. <laughs> what uh name? Jeff Banks just got straight money whipped by Texas. My
0: my favorite part about this whole thing was the the gif that I tweeted out after um thanks to Radical Larry
1: where it was like oh yeah, Monday morning, saving
0: <laughs> looking around, where is everybody?
1: Oh, so good. And my favorite thing, so close to jumping posted that um so he for everybody that doesn't know, he has um an inside to Alabama and what plays out at Alabama and he said how the Jeff Banks hire happened was Texas called up. They offered him a number, they offered him titles, uh, associate head coach, tight ends, special teams, you name it. Um probably recruiting coordinator, I'm guessing as well. Um, he, they offered him all that. He accepted on the phone. He um, called Saban, said, I'm done. Went to the Bama offices that night, packed up all of his shit, left, got on a plane to Austin with his girlfriend, Pole Assassin. And um, he's in Austin right now. Uh, the rest of the Bama coaches wake up the next morning. Hey, where, where, where'd Jeff go? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't tell you. He packed up his shit. He's gone. <laughs> he's, he's in Keep Austin down. now. He's <laughs> gone.
0: Yeah, um, I wonder if they brought their monkey on that trip. Uh, you know, can you travel with monkeys on planes? Is that a thing? As, as long as safety? it's got a
1: diaper. Yeah, is it is it a is, uh
0: do, do, do you have to pay like the infant fee? How does that work?
1: Yeah, does it go in like a baby carrier or it's got to be wearing a diaper. So, do you change that monkey's diaper on plane? You know what? We can get the surly
0: sleuths to find out how the monkey flies. Let us know in that let us know in the podcast thread. Find the answer and let us know.
1: Yeah. Derby Horndog, this is you, sir. The, I mean, if anybody's built for plane, finding out how a monkey gets transported on a plane, it is you, sir. because um, I gotta know it. Um and the pole assassin, she made it so I thought something was weird last night. Uh, somebody posted her Twitter got deleted. So I thought, huh, that's kind of weird. That might be one of those, you know, hey. CDC saying, hey, you know what? Poll assassin, you might just go ahead and nix that whole Twitter thing. And I think she made her Instagram private if it wasn't before, but it is now. Um, So, yeah, maybe she's I don't know if she's going to be dancing at the yellow rose um, or, you know, maybe she's going straight lace now, now that that Jeff Banks is making over a million bucks a year.
0: Ah, Good for him. Good for her. Good for the monkey. All gas, no brakes,
1: except the only problem is she's entering this state. While James Harden is leaving, it that is just just, left. just terrible timing. I can't imagine how bad a timing. I mean, that man's that means Jersey is hanging in the rafters at Treasures in Houston, and I can't imagine how much how many bags he'd be dropping on Pole Assassin.
0: <laughs> so, who do we think's coming in to coach the wide receivers? We've heard Wiggins from close to jumping, and his source that it was going to be sort of a package deal, and both of them are gone. Both of them are gone but only one of them's here right now.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. My guess is, is Wiggins might be gone in some form or fashion, Uh, not to Texas. And I think maybe Coleman is getting retained. I mean, the only other thing I can think is if Coleman was to be an analyst, but I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a lot of press already out there with Sark talking to the, uh, to AAS and saying, yeah, no, he's going to be coaching the receivers and, I do not know if there, maybe there's an inside outside kind of deal, but at this point with Jeff banks in, um, you're already kind of at your five for your offense. You got Millie, you got Drayton, you got flood, you got banks. So you really only have room for one wide receiver at this point. Um, so I'm guessing it, it's just going to be Coleman, which, you know, if that's the worst member of staff, I think we're still looking pretty damn good. Um, It's kind of a mulligan. Supposedly, you know, Herman was kind of saddling him with a backpack of, you know, you can't offer this guy. You can't go talk to this guy. It's, you know, my way or the highway. So maybe things change around. I mean, if if Sark and all these other coaches are vouching for him, I mean, even the Purple Wizards vouching for him up at Kansas State. I mean, if they're vouching for him, maybe we give him another year, give him a mulligan and see where it goes. See where it goes. All right. The big
0: boy hire. We delayed the podcast for this. Yep. And God damn it, we don't have any inside scoop either. We're just as in the dark as the fucking 995ers. But we're not going to lie to you, surly nation. We're going to shoot it fucking straight. We yep. have no we idea who lie. it is, but we're excited <laughs> about
1: all the fucking possibilities. Yeah, we might lie. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah, we, we'll might, see. Yeah, we might lie, but we'll we'll, it's, it's we'll yeah, it's we'll golding. tell you at least what we can. So. <laughs> but uh yeah so they don't know we don't know we hear rumors we hear names we'll go into those names um because that's the biggest hire of sark's tenure here i think is 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 his initial defensive coordinator we
0: know know charlie strong's off the
1: table because charlie strong
0: and his bitch ass is going to jacksonville
1: i did not know that i missed that okay wow texans feel better about yourself yeah, Deshaun is going to carve up Chuck Strong at, at, against Jacksonville. That makes me feel better about Urban going to Jacksonville. Yeah. Oh uh, man. So
0: <clears throat> Muschamp is still floating around. Yeah. Yeah, but so, so I don't know how close he is to our orbit.
1: Yeah, so I mean, last we heard he wanted to take a year off or he wanted to be an uh, an analyst. I know his uh kids are playing in Georgia right now. Um high school so um he wanted to stay close to georgia so there's been some speculation about him maybe taking an analyst, analyst role for georgia um i've heard bama maybe if we steal golding um it doesn't look like coach boom's coming to austin which is upsetting that would have been great but um we're moving on i guess
0: so the three big names obviously pete golding we're just gonna yeah, all all your coaches belong to us yep um <laughs>
1: just, just murdering Bama staff just if you're on staff at Bama Texas has probably mailed you a check at this point
0: yeah um so so we've got Pete Golding who I think is uh, honestly a front runner I mean the, the guys have worked together for a long time it's a no-brainer hire I bet that he has offer in hand good money Um, And it's just a decision that he needs to make, whether he wants to stay or whether he wants to come do some cool shit here with Sarkeesian instead of staying there with Saban.
1: Yeah, I think think you might be right. I think he might be the favorite. I do think that there could be something behind stealing too many Bama guys at some point that Saban is just going to say, you know what, I'm done with this. Golding, if I want to keep you, I'm keeping you um but you know he was at UTSA you know obviously he knows the area young guy I think he can kind of grow with the job I know some people were kind of down on the hire and I know Bama fans are I still haven't figured out why besides Florida who Dan Mullen great offensive coach you know he scored 40 against against Bama and Golding um and then Ole Miss but Lane Kiffin pretty damn good offensive coach. Um, yeah. They scored 40, but other than that, I mean, he held everybody else to less than 25 points a game, uh, including. And that was with their offense. Yeah. Putting the defense on the field. Constantly, constantly. And and, and not and, for the bad reasons. Yeah, including Notre Dame and Ohio State as well. So it's, you know, I don't really get the hate for the hire. Um, I guess we'll just have to see how it plays out at the end of the day. Um, I have a feeling that Golding isn't going anywhere. For me, I think the front runner, um, who was confirmed to have interviewed today by a bunch of the 995ers um, is Zach Arnett, um, who I'm a huge fan of.
0: You know, and, and there's a common thread that we're seeing here with the the boom name. And right, even though Champ isn't coming, we know that you know, there was interest there for sure. We know that Golding, you know, it, it was a name of interest and it's still a name of interest. We know net is, what do they all have in common? That yep. hard-nosed physical brand of defense. They're all linebacker coaches. They're all big on the boom.
1: Yep, absolutely. And I think, and, and it goes back to Sark talking about aggressive in all phases, and these guys are aggressive. Um, I think most 3 th- 3, three five defense that you're going to find besides Todd Orlando's are going to be pretty damn aggressive. Um, and I think Arnett's no different. I mean, he came from San Diego State. He had them as the number two-ranked defense in college football. At San Diego State, I mean, that is that is insane. He was only p- opponents to 12 points per game. I don't care what level of competition you're going against. If, if it's high school, I mean, that's crazy. Um, super
0: young guy, too. Obviously... Yep. Pretty brilliant. 34 years old. Uh, just, I don't even know that you could call him an up and comer. He's pretty well established at this point. And I, you know, I'd be pretty excited for that hire.
1: Yeah. Only one year at Mississippi state, but I mean, um, I couldn't work for the pirate that long. So <laughs> I get while he wants to move. Um, I know he's interviewed um, at LSU. A um, couple other spots. I can't Oregon. Um and everybody got kind of scared off by his buyout. Uh, but guess what? That doesn't scare Texas anymore. Um, your buyout's $4 million. Okay, do you want that cash? Uh, all gas, no breaks. All gas, no brakes. Uh, so really, I, I think he's the perfect fit. I think he's a young guy. I think with Sark's hire, he's not looking to pull somebody that's going to be looking for the next opportunity in the next two to three years. I think he wants somebody that's going to be able to grow with him in Austin. Um, where he can kind of groom them for that next role, and I think it's a perfect situation for a young guy like Golding or Arnett to really kind of cut their teeth um, with some of these young guys. and And I don't know, don't know enough about his recruiting or really any of these defensive coordinators about their recruiting to comment on that. But uh, either way, you know, you got to think these young guys are at least gonna uh, put in the effort and all gas no breaks.
0: Is there anybody else? that we're forgetting to mention.
1: I don't want to mention him. Uh, and I mean, it's not because he's a good defensive, not a great defensive coach. Um, but we've heard the name weird. Jeremy Pruitt a lot. It's
0: strange. be strange. Oh, weird.
1: I mean, he's on his week, way out. He's on his way yeah. out. I mean, in a week, we're about to find out that some pretty dirty shit went down in Tennessee. And... I don't know why we would want to bring that here. You know, I get that. Hey, look, bags are going to be dropped between yeah, Davis, dropping, Jeff yeah. Banks, all these guys. We're dropping some bags, but do we really want to show the NCAA that, Hey, look, we're bringing in this guy that you literally just busted. And for, for this bag running scheme, I just can't see it happening. And as good as a, of a defensive coordinator, he is. And, um, I, I just I just can't see it being a situation where UT brass just signs off on it. Especially, I bet he gets hit with a show clause. And if he's hit with a show clause, there's no no shot he's coming on this staff with this. You referee. know what's
0: interesting though? You know, th- there's there's this interesting wrinkle of getting paid for your for your likeness and some of these show causes for some of these violations that happen. And, you know, and I know that the recruiting and like the pure amateur high school football phase of it and you know paying those players is definitely not covered under that or maybe it is like who knows because what we do know is the ncaa cannot rule you ineligible or not an amateur for doing sponsorship type things based on your likeness does that start before you get on campus after you get on campus
1: my i'd who imagine it would do be after you've signed your loi Yeah. Yeah. And really, Hey, what sponsorships can you line up for me? And Hey, Texas is going to line up a lot of sponsorships. If that's, if that's the only runaround we have to go through, um, instead of just, Hey, here's 200 K Jalen Waddle. Um, see in Austin. (laughs) I mean, yeah, if that, all we have to do is go to one of our BMDs and say, Hey, how about a hundred K internship for Jalen Waddle now? Um, how would that be? I think that would be a, a little easier for us to pull off than anything else.
0: All right, um, let's talk recruiting.
1: Finally, we have something to talk about.
0: I I didn't know that we'd be talking about this this soon. Oh. Day one, all gas, no breaks. Armani Winfield. Yes. Wow.
1: Dud receiver. So. The cool thing about this is it wasn't even day one. It was negative day one. Because um, what happened was at the Bama game, Sark's doing his due diligence with recruits. I'm sure he called some of the bigger guys that he has on his list and said, hey, you want to make sure you're watching the game? You know, watch the offense. Watch how I use them. Watch how I would use you in the offense. Um, he talked to Armani Winfield and he told Armani. I mean, at Winfield, this
0: point before the game, right? We're right not before even the game. We're not yeah. even top three.
1: Yep. So yeah. So yeah, at the time he's looking at Ohio state, um, he's looking at OU, um, who knows, uh, whoever else, but I think those are the two front runners. Um, Texas wasn't really in the conversation he was in the conversation originally whenever, uh, Quinn Ewers is in, uh, obviously Quinn Ewers is not in yet, but, um, he wasn't really on the, on the radar. Um, so Sark calls him before the game, um, at halftime, Armani Winfield calls Andre Coleman, says, Hey, coach, I want to commit to Texas. Can you let Coach Sark know? Uh, Andre Coleman texts Coach Sark and said, Hey, Armani Winfield is, just saw two quarters of football, and he wants to commit. You good with it? Sark gave the thumbs up. Next day. find him. Yep. Very next day, he's in. Um, it took two quarters of watching what Devontae Smith did um, and how Sark used him to get our first stud top 100 player um, in the 22 recruiting class. Huge. I
0: mean, what a way, what a way before your, before your first press conference officially is the head coach to already have locked up a great recruit with such a powerhouse story of just, we are going to go after players that we
1: like. Yep. And, and with this staff and with the, you know, with Jeff Banks being in and, and Bo Davis and some of these names, I mean, at some point, these great recruiters we're just going to be handpicking kids as long as the team lives up to what it should um and and the and the more even than the team lives up to what it should um it's the the players and the and the scheme and being authentic and what we're offering um hey look do you want to come to play for the university of texas we'll make you more money and you get to play in this baller fucking offense for four years Maybe probably three years if you really perform to the level of Devonte Smith. Let's fucking go! All gas, no breaks.
0: Yeah, and he's really good friends with Quinn Ewers, and he keeps alluding to trying to get that flip action going. Hey, so we'll see, we'll see what's going it.
1: on. You know, he said it on on his Instagram live right before he signed off. He said, "And you he heard it here first. Quinn is coming to Texas. Let's go." Let's go, baby! Absolutely, and 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 that seems the door seems very open. Um, you know, I'm I'm not trying to get all my hopes up, but um, Urban Meyer is going to Jacksonville. If he's going to Jacksonville, he's taking Corey Dennis, the quarterback coach that was the primary recruiter in Quinn Ewers' commitment. Um, that's for those that don't know, Urban Meyer or C- Corey Dennis is Urban Meyer's son-in-law. There's no way he's going to another job without Corey Dennis. So, your primary recruiter's gone. You just saw Sark bash the fuck out of Ohio State. Hell, Ryan Day may not even want to stay in town after this, right? You know, the Eagles job looking pretty good. That's right. And not only that, but, I mean, Quinn Ewer's dad... I mean, we all saw the baby photo when he committed. Quinn Ewer's dad posts on Inside Texas. Like, he... I mean, they are orange-blooded. And eventually... Shit starts to look pretty fucking nice in Austin. And I think there's a right now, as of today, I'm putting a 50-50 shot on it. The second Corey Dennis goes to Jacksonville, I'm calling it 85% to Texas. I think it's going to happen. How can it not at this point?
0: Yeah, but you know that he's going to ride the hype wave and it's not going to be. We're not going to know until signing day next year. I don't think what what's really going to happen.
1: Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it, I, I can't see him, if he does decommit and flip to Texas, I can't see him doing it again. Because um, at that time, you know, it's that Michael Scott gift, snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at that point, he's back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. And, you know, I get it. He's a 16-year-old kid living in a pandemic, trying to win a state title. Um, I, I don't blame him in the slightest. But at some point, I think a recruitment's going to, st- or his recruitment's going to stick. And I think we're going to know pretty damn quick because he's going to want to help get line a, a big ass class up behind him. And I think, I think even close to jumping mentioned that it's going to happen quick if it happens at all. If it hasn't happened by the spring, I think we put that to bed. And I think you'll know pretty quick if we take another quarterback commit.
0: Yeah. So what's the, any other news on the recruiting front? We got any other players giving us a good hard look? Is National Signing Day? Two, not early signing day, just the regular old one. Are we going to see anything going on there?
1: Yeah, it looks like... Uh, so LJ Johnson is the big name out there still. Looks like it's just still a coin flip, but he's supposed to be deciding this weekend. I have a feeling he's going to pick A&M at this point. Um, just a feeling. But at the end of the day, he's had all year to commit to them when Texas was at its lowest, and A&M has been at their highest since Hitler rose to fucking power. <laughs> so, I mean... He's had all this year to commit to them, so there's definitely something holding him back. So um, if LJ Johnson does pick A&M, though, there is another name we should start talking about. It's Kamar Wheaton. Um, I thought that name passed a long time ago, um, but his primary recruiter, Jeff Banks, um, who is now in Austin. Uh, I know for a fact he wanted to commit to Texas, but Texas wanted LJ Johnson first. So that's when he came down to Alabama versus OU. Um, He chose Alabama. He hasn't signed an LOI at some point, which at the same time, too, Alabama's running back coach is getting looked at for the Marshall head coaching job. Um, So if you're talking about Jeff Banks is gone, your running back coach is gone, your offensive line coach that you're going to run behind is gone, when do you start, you know, if Sark makes a call to, to, to Kamar, I mean, things start to look a little better. And, you know, he's a hometown kid. Um, why not stay close to home and, and you know, really show out for, for Texas?
0: Who would have thought? 2021 the year college football has the weirdest coaching carousel of all time, right after the weirdest season of all time.
1: Sounds about right. sounds damn sounds near right. on brand.
0: <laughs> the only thing that we're missing is an announcement from ESPN blowing up the playoffs, going to
1: 16. That could happen. I mean, could happen. Oh, think there's about a this. lot of
0: pressure from Fox. There's a lot of pressure from other ESPN analysts that I think, um, that, you know, the the writing has, you know, been crayoned
1: onto the wall. Yep. Got to do it at some point. I mean, it's it's only I mean, I think it's only fair. So um, hopefully we see that and and crazier things that happen. I mean, shit, our tight end coach has a girlfriend who is a current stripper named Pole Assassin and they have a pet monkey. We haven't really, you know, we need to talk more about. We could do an entire pod just about Kyle Banks's personal life. We haven't even yeah. talked about his AM. We should, we, Kevin We're going to try
0: and get him on here, but absolutely. Know, who knows if he will accept. We just got out out uh, to know?
1: we just got to stalk out the yellow rose and wait till he's a little inebriated. and he's just going to get to chatting.
0: <laughs>
1: so, get
0: switching gears a little bit. Texas Men's basketball. So hot on this team. They're fucking up 10 at halftime. Looking good, going into the last stage of the game. And then just three and a half minutes scoring drought.
1: Fell apart. And this looked just, like old Chaka. This looked like bald Chaka. But um, how
0: bad does it have to be? You lose by two without scoring a single point in the last three and a half minutes of the game.
1: Unreal. That is
0: three free throws off of any combination of fouls, one three-point shot, or two buckets made, right? Anything. One bucket made to go to OT. They couldn't buy a basket. And it wasn't that, you know, it was has got a good defense, right? I mean, they, they've arguably got one of the, the best defenses in the NCAA. But it wasn't the good defense that stopped them from scoring. It was just bricked fucking shots
1: missing layups missing bunnies like just just everything taking bad threes you know they the ball was wasn't moving as much as it was in the first half and I don't it just it just looked like old shaka and that's what you know I told my wife after I said you know what made me so heated about this game was it is the fact that I'm heated because normally you know three I was t- hot I was hot I was hot hot half- hot until
0: like until this afternoon really yeah
1: for the past three three years we oh we lost a tech i'm surprised we're even playing um so for me it's we need to keep winning the games that we're expected to win um when we have a lead like that if you told me tech won by 10 okay I get it. They're a good team. We're a good team On to the next, but to lose like that
0: losing by two with no scoring in the last three and a half minutes. God damn it. Brutal. So we've got, we've got K state next. Can we rebound? Can we get back into the swing of things? Two losses, not the end of the season. Nobody's going to just stop talking about Texas being a one seed. I think, you know, that they've seen enough of good things from this team. And, they didn't lose in the last minutes, right? They they kind of lost the game themselves this time. Can can they come back strong, not lose that confidence and and really establish themselves on firm footing again? We're going to have to see on the 16th. Yep,
1: yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think um I think they have a good shot. And I think how this game goes is going to be really indicative of how the rest of the season's going to play out too. You know, you come out you know, lethargic and playing shitty against Kansas state. And it's like, you lost all that, that momentum, that swag that you had when you were initially, you know, running it. Um, so we'll see, I think it's going to be a big test and I hope Shock can get his guys up. Cause um, once, once, you know, we, we see how they really in that first half, how they, they act and how their mannerisms are. And if they, I mean, they should blow out K state, if they can go out and blow out K state, then the text is going to be a footnote on hopefully the rest of a great season.
0: All right. Let's reach deep into the mailbag, the
1: bag so, of the mails.
0: We're we're picking two of our our you know favorite topics that that came out of that mailbag. I think the the first one is our favorite or strangest recruiting stories.
1: Oh man, so good! Um, I'll let you go first. I uh, know you got a good one on store for us. Yeah. So for those who have
0: not seen it. Um there was a really really good thread on this that I turned into an article that we titled How to Buy a Five Star Recruit. Um so and good. it was all about Dimas going to Texas A&M and how did that happen? Right? So the intermingling of Footwork King mixed up with transferring to kind of a nicer high school than what his neighborhood is and living with some, you know, buddied up Hunter Dunn kid who is in Tomball trying to also get into A&M. And it's gets shadier and shadier from there where dad's company is paying into different places. They're having him live with them and, go to school, everybody's trying to make claims that, oh, but we're just a nice family that's trying to support this kid that doesn't have opportunities. And you really know that what's going on behind the scenes is they're just trying to get their kid who's spoiled as fuck recruited alongside this player that's just a drop-dead recruit.
1: Footwork King. Yeah, we know all about how that bad game plays um, with with the good old footwork King. Um, and yeah, I remember the UIL getting involved and then A&M was so mad that, Oh, UIL is a Texas organization. And that the reason why he can't play at Tomball high school is because uh, the Texas longhorns are behind it. And uh, I remember uh, I think it was Taylor ham and I, I hope it was Taylor ham. I'm going to have to reread that thread at some point, but I'm pretty sure that he had to call uh, DeMond Demis at some point to keep him committed to AM. and um, I don't know if that was a crazy dream that I have, but I'm 90% sure that that happened.
0: Just a crazy, crazy story in recruiting.
1: And he didn't do shit this year either. Uh, this not big five-star recruit didn't, I don't, I don't know if he had a catch. Supposedly, there were some games that he was sitting in the stands with fans. So I don't know if he's going to um, transfer or what, but I, I think he actually tweeted today saying he's not transferring, but I guess we'll see how that shit plays out.
0: All right, so who's your guy?
1: Oh, man, Zach Evans. What a (laughs) crazy fucking recruitment. All right, so for those that aren't familiar, um, Zach Evans, uh, people compared him to Adrian Peterson to Marshall Falk, some of the greatest running backs you've ever heard of. Um, He was a five-star, obviously. I think he was top 10 player in the country, if not, Top five. Um, he went to North Shore, obviously a Houston powerhouse for high school. Um, his senior year, let's uh, let's just see how that played out. Um, he was suspended twice in the regular season. He missed the um, semifinal playoff game um, to take his ACT. Uh, never really got a confirmation on that one, but I can't imagine that the ACT is only made once when you're literally playing in a semifinal playoff game. And then he got sent home from the final from the championship. Um, The reason why the coaches collected all players cell phones at, I think it was like 10 o'clock at night saying, Hey, we don't want you guys to be up on your phones all night. Um, Give us your phones. We'll give them back to you first thing in the morning, but we want you guys to have a good night rest. Every other player agreed except Zach Evans, who got sent home from the, from the game. So the best player on the best team did not get to play in the game because he wouldn't give his cell phone to the coaches, even though the rest of his teammates were. So this man has already committed to Georgia. He had signed his LOI um, without telling anybody. um, I believe, including Georgia, he signed his LOI and he faxed it in. Um, He says he's going to announce at the Under Armour All-American game uh, two weeks after. Um, Once he signed his LOI and he faxed it in, he immediately immediately called Texas A&M asking for money and saying, I will get out of my LOI if you pay me. I don't know the amount, but I'm sure it was hefty. Um, Aggie does tell him to get fucked, so kudos for you guys. Um, and then he realizes, oh shit, I need to stick with Georgia. Well, Georgia finds out quickly um, that he did that. Um, so at the Under Armour All-American game, deon sanders interviews him at halftime um they thought what well, was going to be a commitment um because at this point nobody besides georgia and a and know that he has in fact signed an loi with georgia um instead he just begs to be taken back um he apologizes to the coaches he apologizes to his teammates um borderline tears at the underarm are all american game um Georgia just drops him from his LOI. They said, no, sir. You will not be coming to Athens. Uh, we don't need it. Um, so his recruitment starts afresh. Uh, he reaches out to AM. They tell him no. He reaches out to Texas. They tell him hell no. Um, th- at that point, he reaches out to Tennessee. They bring him in for a visit, realize he's a shithead. Nope. Florida, same deal. You're a shithead. Nope. Um, Old Miss. Old Miss. That's when you've hit the bottom of the barrel, sir is when you go to Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin tells you, eh, no, we're good. Um, finally, out of the blue, old sweaty Gary um, up, there, up there in <laughs> Fort Worth. Old, <laughs>
0: old sweaty Gary.
1: old Old Fatterson himself decides, hey, you know what? I'll take your ass. I already took Marcel Brooks, who has, I'm not going to get into his allegations, but worse than this um already taken marcel brooks why not zach so he ends up in tcu somehow becoming tcu's first ever five star wow strange
0: (laughs) and had you know overall this season didn't have a horrible season you know maybe they're gonna screw his head on straight but i seriously doubt it. it Transfer portal.
1: I bet you this year it's probably... I mean, he's at Texas Christian University, so we'll see how this kind of plays out in the end um, and see what level of toxicity that Gary Patterson can put up with because, I mean, you got to be a pretty big shithead to go through that list um, and still be able to play. But yeah, he put together a pretty good season, especially at the end, and um, if he does stay at TCU, I'm not looking forward to playing him.
0: Yeah. All right, second topic is... The three-man front versus the four-man front. The epic battle to the death. Let's just put it to bed.
1: Oh, my God. Is one scheme
0: God. better than the other?
1: No. One more time. Highly dependent no. on the
0: players. Highly dependent no. on the players. Not yeah. not to take, you know, just word for word what Urban Meyer was saying, but it, I really do think that, it, it is highly dependent on the players, highly dependent on what kind of talent you've got on your team, and you need to lend yourself to whatever scheme is necessary.
1: Agreed. And I think, I think the biggest thing is base scheme shouldn't be everything. Um, and I think a lot of people got, and people are negging people on the board at this point because they're tired of hearing the argument. And really, it boils down to how you use that three-man front. I always hear the argument, oh, they don't, you know, playing the four eye, you're not going to be able to rush the passer and you're not going to be able to do this. It's, it's using your personnel in the best way possible. You know, using Malcolm Roach as a linebacker is not the best way possible getting his hand in the dirt and rushing from the outside is the best way possible. So what scheme are you going to put together that can counter that? And there are ways to make a three, three, five extremely, extremely aggressive that we didn't see from Todd Orlando. Cause he was blitzing people on third and 17 from and 17 and the house. Oh, it's, there are so many great ways to make, I mean, look at the two teams in the national championship game, both run three man fronts and you don't see anybody complaining about getting drafted from Ohio state or Alabama. It's just your coach and how and your personnel and how you use them.
0: Yeah. And I'm in total agreement. It is, it is nice to have that four man front and have that constant pressure every play, you know, it's for casual football fans makes a lot more sense got more people in the box. You can take away the run. You can rush the passer. And with the three-man front, it really is all about dialing up that scheme, making sure that you've got the right players running the right stunts and doing the right things. And so it is, I think, overall, a more complex and more athletic defense with the three-man front. But the four-man front, right, good classic defense. I think everybody understands it. Yep. and that's what they're, they're comfortable with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what everybody just kind of grew up watching the, you know, a 4-3 defense and thinking this is how you play football, but there's just so many complex fronts that you can do especially in college football that it's a, it's the aggressive style that you're trying to play, um not just, hey, look, we run a 4-3. Um it's matching your defensive personnel to stop their offensive personnel in the best way um, possible, especially, you know, when you're looking at Lincoln Riley, you know. What's going to stop that? Yeah. Hey, we have some yeah. breaking news, by the way. Just popped breaking up. News? Yeah, just popped up. It's not going to be breaking by the time the podcast dropped, but um, Texas running back Keontae Ingram has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Oh, see ya, quitter. Yep, quitter. Um, Don't reach. Don't reach. Don't reach. Just don't stretch the ball out, Keontae all you had to do. Oh, and catch it against LSU. Um, you know, it, he was, he would have been great for depth, but he's he would have been the third running back behind Bijan and and Roshan Johnson and and some of these other kids coming in. So, um wish him the best. Uh, honestly, the biggest question I have with him hitting the transfer portal now is I hope his brother, uh Kilvonte Dixon, I hope he stays um, cuz he's going to be a monster in Sark's offense.
0: Yeah, it, but I don't I don't think though those are, you know, mutually exclusive there. Agreed. So getting into that, who are the top 3 players that you want to see in Sarks, All-Gas, No Breaks offense?
1: Excellent question. And we both have the same number 1. We have to.
0: Yeah. Bijan.
1: Bijan. It has I mean, the it's most It's going to be nuts.
0: Player. I cannot wait for a thousand yard rusher. It's going to be awesome. Really looking forward to see what kind of special ways they can figure out how to get him in space and get him running from the backfield with the new strength and conditioning coach, with this new offensive line schemes with tight ends that actually fucking block. Let's feed this guy, the rock.
1: Absolutely. I think the thing I'm most excited about with Bijan is actually not him rushing. I think it's him catching. I think using him in the passing game is something that we just we've been lacking from all of our running backs. They're just not utilized well um in Herman's scheme because I mean, I, I can't think of a big catch besides, you know, some wheel route stuff that he did um maybe once a season. Um but using, you know, some of these screens and and stop running our quarterback directly behind Denzel Okafor for 2 yards. Let's feed Bijan and get him utilized and just let him see green grass and then let him do his thing. All right, my second pick
0: is Jake Smith. What can you do with Freak Fast? I mean, I I don't know what his hands are like and you know, we got to work on some route running. We don't know because he rode the pine all season
1: underutilized, so like five place. Absolutely. And you know, you know, obviously just by looking at him that he's a hard worker, a real coach's son, uh, a real spark plug, uh, real gritty, you know, road warrior. Um, yeah.
0: Where's our, where's our next Shipley? I, yeah. I want, I want some Jordan Shipley type action from this guy. And I think <laughs> he can be that kind of, of receiver. He can, he can be that lightning um, that, that we need for that really, really fast, get up and go.
1: Yep. I, you know, I firmly, I fully agree. I think he's, he's always had the talent. I mean, he was a Gatorade national player of the year for a reason. Um, and I, I think, you know, there've been talk about him in the portal, but he's, he took one look at Sark's offense and he can't wait to play in it. So I'm, I'm excited. I think this is going to be a real big breakout for him. Um, coming up. I for um, sure
0: agree. And then my, my third is Jared Wiley. Great pick with, with, yeah with Jeff Banks coming in that and just seeing his hands his route running his i mean what the hell were we doing
1: with Brewer Cade Brewer get off the field what, what the, the fuck f- get off the field this guy is built in a lab this guy this guy looks like George Kittle i mean he he is built i mean he's huge he played quarterback at Belton because he who the hell is going to tackle that guy? And we're running Cade Brewer instead. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I'm super excited to see how um, Sark's going to be able to utilize uh, the tight end, and not just with Wiley, but with Sanders and and uh, Braden Librock as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, who knows? We may see some two tight end packages.
1: Yes, uh,
0: I'm excited to to see what's going to go on. We saw so many different looks and so many different schemes and all the, the, the movement. And I think that, you know, having this, that these three players, I think can make for a, a, another three headed monster, um, like they had at Alabama.
1: Yep, absolutely. And so, um, I'm cheating on my next one. Um, I, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Jake Smith as well. Um, but, uh, I actually have two receivers next, um, Josh Moore and, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name. So I'm just going to call him Troy. O. um, Josh Moore, um, he sorry, you don't want to be compared to Devonte Smith, but I mean, he's got the build that looks just like Devonte Smith. Maybe his arms aren't as long, um, but he looks like Devonte Smith light, um, maybe with a little more of a gun fascination than <laughs> what Devonte Smith has. Um, but uh, I think he I mean, he's shown flashes, especially when he's played out of the slot. So I'm excited to see more of him. And then and then Troy, O, oh, he's just coming off a t- off an ACL tear, um, which was unfortunate because every 995 fiver I've seen said he's by far the best receiver on the field um, during spring practice. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And, you know, I had questions about his speed coming in, but people say they put that to bed. And I heard somebody say that he was the best receiver they've seen at Texas since Roy Williams, which is just, I don't know if I can, I'm ready to drink that much. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
0: know that I can, I don't know that I can handle all that talk.
1: Yeah, but I'll uh, gas, no breaks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and speaking of all gas, no breaks, my last pick, a little bit of a wild card. So I know I'm picking four, but I got to throw Quinn Ewers in the mix. I, I mean, it is top three players you want to see in Sark's offense, not top three current players. So um, yeah, I got to go Quinn Ewers. That guy was built in a lab to run this offense.
0: Yeah. that I mean, if, if that's a get, that's a, I mean, there's going to be tons of continuity. the, the quarterback position right now is not thin. Right. Nope. This is actually the least that cupboard's been bare since I can really remember. Yeah, we have um, a quarterback right?
1: battle coming up. I mean, we're gonna, yeah. I'm sure we're gonna have a many a podcast talking about Carter Thompson, Carter Thompson, Carter Thompson. We'll get there. Yep. All right. Great. Well, that's all I got.
0: I think that's a wrap. Uh thanks everybody for listening. And we'll see you next time. Hook them.
1: Hook them.